0: I grew up in Snohomish, Washington, um, north a little bit. Um, there's baby Emma. I figured the picture with the horse was very Snohomish-like because there's a lot of like livestock and antique stores. It's pretty poppin' in Snohomish. Um, yeah, it was a great place to grow up. Um, go Panthers. Um, I grew up in a family of five. Shout out to my mom and dad in the back who made it out here past their bedtime. Um, this is my family. This is when I graduated college two years ago. We've got my brother Jordan, my mom Heidi, me, my dad Steve, and my sister Allison. Um, yeah, so that's my family. Um, and then after growing up through St. Homish, I went to college at UW Go Dogs right here in the neighborhood. Um, this is kind of fun. I joined a sorority, and this is me and some of my friends on my first night at the inn, like ever. Um, my freshman year of college. Um, So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I joined a sorority, it was a good time. Um, And I just gotta give a little shout out to anyone who's Greek and that's here in the room right now. Like, you the real MVPs, because I know there's a lot of fun stuff happening out there right now. Um, But I'm really, really honored that you guys uh, decided to spend your Tuesday night with me. There's three more facts about me that I think would help you get to know me a little bit better. Uh, Number one is I love the outdoors. I love being a Seattle girl. I love being close to the mountains and the water and all that fun stuff. If you guys like to hike and get outside, hit me up after this. Um, Number two is I'm a photographer. I love to take pictures. I love to run that little side hustle on the side of working here at the Inn. It's a really cool way uh, for me to exercise my creativity um, and that's a big part of my life. Number three, Mike touched on this a little bit. I tell it like it is. So I hope that we're ready for that tonight. That's more of a warning of anything else that like I'm, I'm, I'm not really a filtered person. So if I just say something, roll with it. Um, so that's, that being said, enough about me. Um, we're going to get into this night. Um... Yeah, so together, we have been going through the book of Acts, which is right after the Gospels in the Bible. Um, and we've been asking ourselves the question, who are we becoming? Um, and so what a lot of our messages have looked like is comparing what the early church was becoming in first century Acts, and then comparing some of their decisions and how they, how they were becoming the church and looking at how were we becoming Or, who are we becoming as the church, as the inn, as U District, as Seattle 2018? What does that mean for us? Who are we becoming? Um, And how can we compare these two very different cultures? Um, So, we've made it through Acts chapter 6 so far. Pastor Aaron Williams brought the word last week, it was really great. And so how tonight's gonna go is I'm going to give a little context for Acts chapter seven. We're not gonna stay there super long, but I think it's really important that you know uh, what was going on in the context of that time. And then we're gonna move on into a message in chapter eight and we're gonna spend a lot of time there. It's gonna be good. Um... All right, so we're gonna pick up where Aaron left off. At the very end of chapter six, there's this guy named Stephen. Shout out to my dad, his name is Stephen too. Um, with a PH, it's important. Um, and he's preaching this good news of Jesus, right? He comes to free everyone. He's the, the way they describe Stephen is in so many different like words in different versions of the Bible is that he was like beaming, like his face was lit up. He is like filled, he's excited about what he's telling people. Um, yeah, he's he's a cool guy, and so basically he's going around town and he's telling people, guys, this Jesus dude just like changed everything that we believe in as Jews, right? Um, he's saying, guys, Jesus came and fulfilled the law, so that we no longer have to live like by these so much by these rules, and we can live more into the heart of what we believe in. That's what Jesus came. He fulfilled the law, and now there's room for everyone in the kingdom, and we get to celebrate that and they did not like what Stephen was saying. Um, They actually captured him, and they were like, no, this is not good. Um, And then we get into chapter seven, and this chief priest guy goes, Stephen, what do you have to say for yourself? And he goes on this like 50-verse-long spiel on the history of humanity, and how the Holy Spirit was with him, like with humanity the whole way, and how the Holy Spirit was pulling them forward as a nation, as a people group. And he calls these people out in Acts, and he says, you guys are ignoring the Holy Spirit. He calls them out, he's like, you guys are ignorant. Things are happening, new things are happening, and you are not paying attention to it. So they stoned him to death. They killed the dude. Um, Yeah, exactly, it's crazy. (laughs) yeah, it, and so this is huge context for chapter eight, which we're gonna be focusing more on. Um, because up until this time, no one had been murdered for preaching about Jesus, right? Maybe they had been um, ridiculed or called um, a lunatic or thrown into jail for a few nights. But people were so threatened at this point in time that they were like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna kill someone, that's big, that's tense. That's people don't like that, Like my power and my systems that are in place are, are being questioned. Things are changing. Um, and so we're, we're actually going to murder someone. And so that's crazy, right? That's super tense. Um, yeah, and so that being said, telling the world about Jesus now becomes this life-threatening thing. However, there's still a bunch of these apostles or a number of them that are gonna pursue telling people about Jesus anyways. Um, and so we're gonna focus on this guy, Philip. He was one of these apostles. Um, and he, he, so they, all of the apostles were in Jerusalem, which is like the hub of Christianity at first. Uh, they feel kind of like they've preached enough there. And now they're like, okay, we're gonna start making our ways out to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. Um, yeah, so knowing that, Let's, uh, let's see where Philip goes. Um, he's making his way out of Jerusalem and into some other areas of the world. He goes through Samaria, and now we're going to pick up with a story about Philip. So you can bring up the text. Later, God's angel spoke to Philip. At noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. He got up and went. He met an Ethiopian unit coming down the road, The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was returning to Ethiopia where he was minister in charge of all the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot. Running up alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He answered, how can I without some help? And invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this. So this is a passage from Isaiah, which is from the Old Testament that uh, the eunuch was reading. And it reads, as a sheep led to slaughter and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial, but who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? The eunuch said, tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or some other? Philip grabbed his chance. Using this passage as his text, he preached Jesus to him. As they continued down the road, they came to a stream of water. The eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, and Philip baptized him on the spot. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip up, and that was the last the eunuch saw of him. But he didn't mind. He had what he'd come for, and he went on down the road as happy as he could be. So there's a lot in there. First of all, I'd just like to acknowledge it's pretty cool that Philip, like, literally apparated at the end right there. That's like, if Harry Potter's not real, then I don't know, because he was just, like, taken out of nowhere. So I think that that's something, I didn't want to ignore that. I have nothing to say on that, really, but anyways, it's interesting. We're going to get into the context of, um, of these two characters. We've got the eunuch, and we've got Philip. So the eunuch is this high court official of the Queen of Ethiopia, um, what we would call maybe an accountant or a financial advisor at the time. So he's got power. He's politically high up. He's got his own chariot, which kind of infers that you're, you've got some money. Um, and also something to know about him is he would have been a big time outcast to Jewish culture. Um, Not only was Ethiopia like so far away from Jerusalem to travel to by chariot, he would have been so far away from like hearing about Jesus and Christianity. So like geographically, not very near things. Um, His skin would have been a lot darker because he's down in Africa and these people are in the Middle East. And so that creates some kind of like, I look different. Um, Is this for me? Um, and then one other important thing is that he would have been self-castrated, um, and this is, this is a little weird, I get it, um, but we're gonna, the reason for this is that when you're a eunuch, when you're high up enough on this royal court, um, there's kind of this feeling of your power being threatened, and so, at that t- point in time, they literally had people be castrated so that they could not reproduce and overthrow the queen's rule. I know it's, it sounds a little far-fetched, but that's what they did. That's what they did. They had people be castrated, and you were not. Um, yeah, you were not going to overthrow the queen's rule. Um, and this is important because in Old Testament law it strictly says that eunuchs cannot enter the temple. They cannot worship the God of the Israelites. He's not allowed in because of this. Because of the decisions he's made for himself, he's not allowed into the temple. Um, and so all this to say, this dude is basically the least likely to become a Jew or a Christian, which that term hadn't been coined for a few more chapters in the story. Um, He's ethnically different, he's geographically far away, he would have been sexually excluded because he's not the norm. Um, Yeah, so that's the eunuch, all right? Now we've got Philip, we've got Philip. So he is one of seven apostles that were elected to go out and share about Jesus. Stephen was one of them and he was killed. So now there's six. Um, And so he's probably a pretty busy guy. He is like the Billy Graham of Jerusalem, like going into these big churches and preaching to the crowds. And he's like, probably got to make this really efficient because there's only six of us. We got to tell as many people as possible, Um, which is crazy. Um, But then the Holy Spirit tells him, go to this desolate wilderness, like literally this road no one travels. Um... I meet this one guy, the eunuch. Because he needs to know that because of Jesus, there's room for him in the kingdom of God. And you, Philip, are the one that gets to tell him that. And now I kind of want to introduce this idea for the night. And it's this idea of power. And the ways that I see these two characters interacting with power. And I see two powers at play. There's a political power that the eunuch has. He's you know, literally high up in the political realm of Ethiopia, um, he's achieved a lot. And then there's this power of the spirit, right? That Philip is is driven by. So let's look at the eunuch. He's got all this political power that he's achieved in his lifetime. He's intelligent. He's a financial advisor. He's made big leaps in his life. Um, he's got fancy chariots and stuff to take him places. He's got everything. And the thing is, he sacrificed everything for that power, so much so that he would take away his own ability to reproduce or have a family or anything like that. Also, he could attain this status in the world. But all this kind of begs the question, what was the dude doing on the way to Jerusalem, right? He was unfulfilled by all of this worldly stuff, you know? He, he has everything. He has power, money, money achievement, success, and he's like, still not enough. So he goes on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem to see what, like, I would imagine he's kind of like, I don't know, there's like these hippies in Jerusalem that are talking about this Jesus guy and they seem really free and I kind of want to know about it. And so he goes on this pilgrimage to see what it's about because his power that he's attained is no longer doing it for him. And then we've got Philip. He's a regular guy. I love Philip. But when the spirit says go to this random middle of nowhere place, he's obedient and the spirit actually empowered him. He's filled with this power and he's bursting with this good news so much so that he's literally running up to this chariot and he's like, hey, hey, like, do you need help? Like, because I have a voice and like, I think I could help you understand. Like that's kind of goofy, but like he's totally empowered. He's really into this, right? And the way that he's interacting with this power, the way he's, working together with this power of the spirit is producing things like courage, courage to get in the chariot, to say hi, um, empowerment, purpose, love, inclusivity. He's literally freeing people, right? He's saying, you can enter this place. And what, what I see from that is this power of the spirit is enabling him to be more like Jesus, because if we look at the gospels, which I, I didn't explain. The gospels are these books that document Jesus's life. But if we look at the gospels, we see Jesus telling all of these people that don't, don't like really fit in that you belong in the kingdom of God. He's going around to people who are sinners or whatever you wanna call them. And he's saying, there's room for you. And so when Philip is enabled by this power, he's doing the same thing that Jesus was doing. He was freeing people, he was letting them in. Jesus says it doesn't matter if you're a eunuch. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you appear, there's room for you here. That's what Jesus did, and that's what the power of the Spirit is doing in Philip. And I just gotta say, I love that moment when they're crossing over the water. And he says, can I be baptized? And when you look at the the different versions of the text, you kind of see that it's not just the eunuch being like, Hey, it, like there's some water baptize me. He's he's not sure if this is okay because like up until this point he's been told you don't belong here. You're not allowed in the temple. You can't even experience this God of the Israelites that's freeing people. You're not even allowed. Right? However, in all these different Versions, you see him kind of saying, like, yeah, is there permission for me? I don't know if this is right for me. And Philip's like, heck yeah, get in the water because you do belong here and this is for you. And I just love that. Um, So it's two different types of power that we're looking at. We've got um, this power that's freeing people and inviting people in to the kingdom. And then there's the eunuchs, on the other hand, which is based in this hierarchical system that gives him political power, but it's not sustainable for a healthy life, right? And I want to be super clear here. I don't think that the eunuch is wrong for pursuing worldly things. Um, success, money, climbing, you know, achievement. None of those things are inherently bad at all. Um, the thing I want us to pay attention to is that it wasn't fulfilling him. It wasn't enough. And it makes me nervous when we have a society or a world full with, billions of individuals who all are feeling this, this like I have to achieve um, and there's not enough for everyone right like there's not enough power there's not enough opportunities it's all about me it's all about my success and it doesn't matter who gets in the way so I'm going to push you down so when we take this to a larger scale and there's all these individuals in the world who are only looking out for themselves and believe that the power is going to run out you think you gotta push people down. And what we see when we turn on the news is a bunch of people who don't care about the people around them, and we see things like injustice and oppression, right? Oppression is this hot topic word right now. It's a big deal. And really, I feel like the, the root definition of it is when we feel like there's not enough for everybody. And so when we're right here and other people are right here, we wanna keep that in place because all of a sudden, if we were to even out, that means someone's taking away my power. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what the power of the Spirit does. It's abundant. It's never going to run out. And we feel like there's not enough for everyone, right? That's what oppression is. And that's what we see when there's all these people who are only looking out for themselves, And look at the unjust murder of Stephen in Acts chapter seven, this isn't new stuff. People feel like their power's being threatened and so they do crazy things. They kill people for no reason um, because they don't believe that there's enough for all of us. And again, I wanna reiterate, that I don't think the eunuch was single-handedly causing oppression or injustice or anything cruel. I just think that when we're all living in this lifestyle, of my power is going to run out or my success is the only thing that matters, people get hurt, they just do. And this is where our power needs to be cared for really responsibly. All of us in this room have power, right? Maybe it's because you're receiving higher education or because you live in a safe neighborhood or because you come from a certain culture, but it's what we do with that power. How are we using it? Because there are people outside of these walls who do not feel like they belong in here because we have different kinds of power or maybe they don't have power at all, whatever that means in our society. So how are we using our power to let them in and say that there's room for them here? I was writing this sermon. And this is about a week ago. And I kind of had everything planned out and I was still lacking in like the fun personal anecdote section. I was like, what am I going to throw in that's like this personal story about how I misused power and everyone's going to laugh and it'll be like this nice little breakup in my talk. And I was like, (laughs) get the people paying attention. And I was looking at it and I just went like, oh crap. Because I knew in that moment that in the past few weeks as I was preparing for this talk, I started having all these thoughts. Like, oh gosh, I can't wait for all these people to be like, Emma dropped so much wisdom. Oh my gosh, she's so wise. She's got, she's super cool. She like said all these really inspiring things. And I was like, yeah, like I want a little bit of credit. I want a little bit of power, right? And the church can easily be a place where we misuse power, right? Let's be honest, the place I'm standing right here is a position of power, And I just want to take a moment and say if any of you have been hurt by someone standing in this position who says that you don't belong here or you have to follow this protocol to be accepted, I'm deeply, deeply sorry. I know that pain and I want to acknowledge that. But let's not forget about Philip and how he was using his power from the Holy Spirit, right? It produced community, freedom. It freed this eunuch from laws that were keeping him out and now includes him because that's also what the church can be. And the extra cool thing about this passage is this idea of support and community that comes from it. Philip used the power of the spirit to get into someone's chariot. And if we're looking at the chariot as kind of this metaphor for life, Um, I think that's kind of cool. Like, we need people to get into that chariot. Um, And I'd argue that even if you're like, ugh, that sounds a little invasive, that everyone here wants someone to sit beside them and know them, see them, hear them, understand them, or at least have someone hop in beside you and help you understand what's going on in the Bible, because heck if I know... (sighs) amen. (laughs) When I entered this internship, um, I want to share a little bit about what that process has looked like. And um, I was in a really weird place when I entered into this internship. Um, Ironically, I've never wanted to run away from faith communities more in my life. I was reading the Bible and all of a sudden, none of it made sense. I would turn on the news and I would see Christians doing things that hurt people that I loved. And I no longer felt like I fit into the Christian mold, right? It just, it didn't feel like it was for me anymore. This was like a week before the internship. I was having a panic attack and was like, I can't believe I'm about to go work for a church. Um, however, there was this feeling in my, in my heart, in my soul that like, that like whenever you wanna run away from something, you're supposed to engage it, right? And so I kind of was like, I think that may have even been the power of the spirit saying, show up, Emma, just like get in there and say yes every day and just see what's going on. Just give it a shot, you know? Um, And what I've experienced in this community is more love, patience, patience, Authenticity, way more empowerment than I ever thought was possible, than I ever could have imagined. And I think there's a huge part of me that has felt like both characters in this story. I felt a little bit like the eunuch, of like, man, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go, because I don't, I don't, I'm unsure, but like I gotta just give it a shot. But throughout this process, I think I've, I've um, stepped into something that feels a little bit more like Philip. Right, um, I think that um, the Holy Spirit kind of met me in this and enabled me to feel more like Him, so that I could use my voice just like Philip did. He had this courage to share what he what was on his heart, and I have felt that empowerment. And I hope we've been inviting other people to use their voices as well. And if there's anything to take away from that story, my story is that this is who we're becoming—a community that knows that at times we're gonna be called to speak into other people's lives and that at other times, we desperately need people to speak into ours. And in that, there's, there's a beautiful power going on there, right? When we share this community together. And I really believe that here at the end, we're becoming people who are empowered by this power of the spirit and give it away freely. And also people that are aware of when I just need someone to get in my chariot right now and understand with me and do life with me. And I think those two things complement each other really well. Here's an example. If you're out there and you hear me preaching up here tonight and something inside your heart is like I don't I don't like what she just said or that just that one thing she said 15 minutes ago just felt a little icky to me, right? I 100% believe that that is like the power of the spirit in you, empowering you and nudging you to say something and to use your voice. And two, let's talk about it. Let's get in this metaphorical chariot together and wrestle with it and meet each other in understanding instead of just burning bridges. Let's come together and understand it together. Because I'm not gonna get up here and say, what I say goes and don't you dare disagree because that just leads to a lot of people feeling powerless and alone. And what we want to be is a group of people who are powerful, and who are believing that this power comes from an abundance, and so we can we can give it to, we can give it out to everyone, and we can invite people in, and we can have conversations about it. There's one last thing I want to hit on, and you know I've been talking about this idea of the chariot, um, and I've kind of been using it as a metaphor for community, right? And there's this thing about that you need to notice about Philip is that he has to get into the chariot. He's not just around it. It's not good enough to just be near it, right? And the same goes for, for this room. Like, it's awesome that we're all here and that we're near community, we're near worship, we're near all these things, but do you really feel like there are people who know you, understand you, are there to walk with you through things I don't know, it's kind of hard when we're in this big space of hundreds of people. And so that's why here at the end, we do things like Jim's Big Weekend, right? Or core groups or all these different community building things. And so sign up for Jim's or something and maybe come back in a week from today and you'll feel like there's some more people that are in my chariot that like understand me a little bit. and that's why, that's why we do all of these things, like Greek dinners or, or whatever it is, is it enables us to hop in it with each other and not just hover around it. Um, if there's anything that I would like to leave you guys with tonight, it's two questions. Um, how are we living into the power that we have and using it to be more inclusive like Jesus and also on a personal level, how are we living into that power and using it to get into other people's chairs and also invite them into ours? If you're a praying type of person, I'm gonna pray us out. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this night and for this opportunity to be up here, Lord. Um, Thank you for all, all the opportunities we have going on here at the inn and for all the opportunities we have to get to know one another and to be attuned to your spirit. Um, God, I pray that that we would just continue to have conversations together um, and grow in an understanding together and meet each other where we're at. Um, yeah, God, thank you so much for, for all these people in this room and thank you for uh, this opportunity. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.